Welcome to Jurassic World. Yes, welcome to Jurassic World Minute, where we visit Jurassic World one minute at a time. Uh, remember that one time those invincible fences didn't work? Or was that two times? I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And here we are, back to discuss Minute 41 of Jurassic World, looking at um, a featured article here, back in, just before Jurassic World's release, uh, Slash Film went and visited the uh, the Orlando sets and that for Jurassic World, and... Um, they got a five-page article here. We're really only going to focus on page two and three, with them visiting the uh, the control room, said to be like NASA's mission control, which I think this is uh, looks a lot more like NASA than what the uh, the original the original Jurassic Park control room looked like, just mm-hmm. with uh, just so. with the screens. Here they um they must have interviewed, interviewed uh, Jake Johnson about his uh, role as Larry because he uh, says it serves as the voice of the audience on screen. He's concerned about the irresponsibility of the park's creators and the evolution of the capitalistic measures adopted by the park, <laughs> which we've seen earlier with the uh, Pepsosaurus and Tzedonon and all that sort of stuff. Interesting here, it says that uh, he went to uh, the Universal Studios theme park in Orlando for inspiration for the control room here, but uh, Colin was actually disappointed because um, the control room at Universal Studios is just a couple of guys in a, in a room with some small old monitors, which I thought was funny. Um, this is probably true, though. I mean, a lot of the rides, I would imagine, are more either automated or ran on-site. There's probably not much to really control except maybe lights or stuff like that, and even that can be automated, you know? Yeah, well, that's uh, the whole thing with the original Jurassic Park was we're going to automate as much as we can, then control whatever, control everything else from this one room with minimum staff. Um, those those big parks, as you said, like a lot of the rides, all their controls, and that would be localized to the ride itself. Um, yes, you'd have power coming back and forth, maybe security camera feeds, but apart from that, there's no. There's no one sitting at a console telling the um, the roller coaster at Disneyland to start or, or anything like that. That's all done on site on, on location. Mm-hmm. One thing they do mention too, we sort of discussed when we first get to the control room, the um, either the mirrored image or whatever the glass viewing area or something at the back of the control room where it was reflecting the island map and that where here they actually confirmed that um, there's a wall blinking audio equipment and lights in a server room with a um or a glass enclosed room so 
in the background, whenever we see Masrani in that looking up at the map in the background, we can see those blinking lights and the reflection of the uh, the map and the displays. It's actually the server room with the glass window in front of it, not a uh, not a visitor um, viewing area, <laughs> I suppose you'd say. <laughs> um, which we also I might have suggested when we first got to the control room. So, I mean, I could understand. I mean, because the first Jurassic uh, Park had that where you went in that ride and you saw how Jurassic World was, um, how they did the dinosaur cloning, and then you saw the control room, which was kind of a way for Spielberg to cut down the boring uh, tour that even even in the book, they, the characters started yawning at, and it kind of condensed it into this nice little short ride that, Gets even that gets interrupted by the eagerness of the characters. Is there any way to stop this thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, from memory, it's it's twenty five or thirty pages of dialogue and explanations and DNA <laughs> in yeah. that novel. That's um, that is condensed and between. Then, and then I think I think Grant started yawning at some point, and they're like, <laughs> "Okay, we're moving on." <laughs> <laughs> the. Uh, Link for the uh, website and that article is in there. It's a good bit of read. Fills in a bit of the backstory for uh, for this set and a lot of the other sets they built in Orlando for uh, the making of the film. Oh, cool. The implant will shock it if it gets too close to a perimeter fence. Okay, it's moving really fast. This is control. Put out a park-wide well, alert. Hang on the damn phone, please. Sorry, I'm getting new information. Everything's fine. Let acid containment capture it quietly. The very existence of this park is predicated on our ability to handle incidents like this. It was an eventuality, okay? You should put that in the brochure. Eventually, one of these things will eat somebody. That paddock is four miles from the closest attraction. They say you can handle this. No one else is going to get eaten. Dave, reading in the minute 41. I am. As we ended minute 40 of Jurassic World, Claire had returned to the control room to only have the eyes of the park staring at her. As we end the minute, Vivian was on the radio. This is Control, put out a park-wide alert. As we open on minute 41, Maserati interrupts her. Wait, wait, hang up that damn phone, please. Vivian tells the person on the other end that we're getting new information. At the four second mark, Maserati begins his speech. Let asset containment capture it quietly. Our very existence is predicated on the ability to handle situations just like this, in the eventuality that they happen. Larry pipes up. You should put that in the brochure. Eventually, one of these things will eat somebody. At the 90 second mark, Claire says that thing is four miles from the nearest attraction. ACU can handle this. No one else is going to get... And she pauses long enough for Larry to finish her sentence. Eaten? At the 26 second mark, we cut to ACU headquarters as the troopers gear up to go after the Indominus. At the 37 second mark, with the raptor shriek, we cut back to the raptor enclosure and Blue has a head in some sort of restraining cradle. Barris quietly patting her head, trying to calm her in this awkward situation. At the 43 second mark, Batman Hoskins appears, asking, how fast can they run? Barry looks up, says 40, 50 if they're hungry. Hoskins approaches the cradle, 
Asking you ever open them up, see what they can do? Barry Flatter replies, no. As we're in minute 41, Blue shakes around the cage, scaring Hoskins, supposedly. He tells Barry, she got me. As we've even put out the alert over the radio at the end of minute 40, Maserani jumps straight down her throat. <laughs> you hang up that damn phone, please. And Vivian <laughs> tells whoever's on the other end, uh, sorry, I'm getting new information. And as Maserani joins them, uh, she sort of says, everything's fine, uh, with a sad face, knowing that uh, she's just been told to lie to someone. <laughs> um, Maserani begins his speech here, uh, let asset containment capture it quietly. The very existence of this park is predicated on our ability to handle incidents like this. It was an eventuality, okay. I get it, he wants to keep everything quiet, but I wonder if um, ACU's underfunded or prepared, uh, under underprepared department uh, with what we're going to see. I would imagine that they're more under-experienced. I doubt that they ever had a asset containment thing quite like this you know i mean i'm sure they probably had to round up the the pachycephalosaurus when they short out their tags or they i'm sure they might even have had to corral raging triceratops stuff like that but i mean an animal that they don't even know anything about because they've just invented it <laughs> and now it's on the loose killing people that's um, i doubt they've even had anything like rexy to deal with that you know mm. well that's that's the thing like firefighters yes they may spend most of the day in the gym but they're also going out and tackling um scenarios and sort of fire drills and that sort of stuff as well same with all sorts mm -hmm. of departments um and especially what we learn of hamada in the uh, in the novel how he was um head of uh tokyo swat They'd be sure they'd be okay. Well, let's let's go and there's no um, guests at Tyrannosaurus Kingdom. Let's go and go in there and trank her and just practice stopping <laughs> knocking the T Rex <laughs> out. Or we know the Carn Carnotaur and all the other stuffs in different areas of the park. Why aren't we going in there where there's True. no guests and practicing? <laughs> um, True. I did forget that the Toro and the Baryonyx and um, some of those other animals that as Kenji put it, were too aggressive, had been segregated to those other part of the parks, and that would mean that they probably also would have had to round those animals up, tranquilize them, and transport them. And then there's the other elephant in the room, the whole, air quotes, rounding up animals from sauna and bringing to Nublar. Surely mm -hmm. that was ACU that was doing it, and that's what they would have cut their teeth on. But I thought that would have been Hoskins, guys. Because that happened really early on, before the park was even finished, you know? I wonder if he'd have been enough people for the operation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, just something we don't know enough about. If um, Ludlow's boys in their major league toys couldn't do it, Hoskins <laughs> has come in and... <laughs> and I think I have to, a couple dozen marble men could do it. <laughs> <laughs> you just need the right man in charge, it seems. <laughs> And we can talk about more in the next um, few seconds when we see him, but yeah, ACU don't seem prepared to tackle the island's inhabitants at all, or especially the big ones with teeth. Um, Larry hits back here, you should put that in the brochure, eventually one of these things will eat somebody. <laughs> um, bit of sarcasm there, but both Maz um, Claire and Maserani ignore the uh, insubordination once again. Um, 
Claire instead is looking up at the map wall that paddock is four miles from the closest attraction. ACU can handle this. Uh, no one else is going to get. And in that pause, Larry finishes the sentence, eaten. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're, uh, they're, they're confident they have uh, the abilities to uh, stop her. Again, four miles from the closest attraction. As we see on the map, she's not sort of heading directly to the park. She's sort of arcing wide, almost following the same line as the uh, the restricted zone boundary. So until she starts to smell smell people. We learned from Wu that she's able to visualize thermal uh, thermal radiation, so she knows where. And this is brought up later in the. Um, in the actual movie that she is able to kind of track and uh, become attracted to the body heat of people and the park's shutdown procedures kind of facilitate her ability to just zero in on the park's control center, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can talk about when we get there and all that happens, but it's was well, she on a hill and she can see a big glowing red ball in the in the distance and she got predator vision. Like how does mm-hmm. how does she interpret that big red glow of warmth or mass is is mm-hmm. food, especially when the, the dead sides of beef are coming in with supposedly no it's heat real. and it's the tropics so everything's hot. Um, yeah, I, I learned all this with predator thirty years ago. <laughs> Thermal thermal vision in a jungle isn't the best. (laughs) Well, that's what I was thinking. Maybe she's um, recognizing live animals as separate from dead ones and can recognize the fact that the more of these heat signatures are, the more more prey there is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And she's smart. She's obviously putting two and two together when she's come across new, new animals to hunt. Yeah. Just eventually, she gets close enough to the uh, the park that, uh, yeah. But that's when we cut to the ACU ready room. I'll call it. Uh, we get the sort of militarized style in-gen theme playing here. Um, <laughs> another another one of the themes in the film film I do like. Yeah. But we get that big topographical map of Nublar on the wall. Uh, Lagoon cough <laughs> cough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which we, I believe, that is also the same map that we see. Um, that we see Owen prepping ACU with at the closer to the end of the movie where they have the raptors hunting down the Indominus. And this map was actually released in full HD, mm. so this map does exist out there for fans to look at. Yeah. Yeah, a lot lot more detail here than what we see on the uh, the big blue park map in the control room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, I do like how they done that. I just wish we had the same for the Lost World. <laughs> uh, um, everyone's grabbing various weapons. Some uh, recognisable, others seem to be in Gen's own tech. Um, we get uh, the big ACU letters on the wall here, so we don't get the extended name like we do in the uh, in the novel. So at the moment, there's still ACU. We don't know what that stands for in the film, but uh, we can hear a voice over the radio. Um, as all this is going on, this is a non-lethal operation, understood. And just as Hamada shoulders the taser rifle, ignites the shock prod, probably not the best thing to do inside while, while everyone's running around. I know it looks like he's a badass, but <laughs> you've just uh, you've just lit that sh- taser up, and uh, you could easily 
hit someone with it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's our little look into ACU now. The boys are getting ready to go out and uh, capture <laughs> the asset. Anything, anything on that you want to discuss? Well, I mean, I do think that their that their um, little, I guess you'd call it locker room, is interesting here because I mean it doesn't look like it's done with straight lines. Like every <laughs> every single locker room that I've ever seen, it looks like they've got a bunch of angles here going on with this room, and they just kind of shove stuff wherever they can. Like they <laughs> got they've got the lockers lining the walls naturally, but then they also have shelves and. Honestly, I mean, I know it's for dramatic effect, but why is it so dark? I mean, come on here. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be fumbling with my equipment here in the dark. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure anybody who has ever played any kind of sports and knows what it's like to have to put on all that equipment, nobody wants to do that in the dark, you know? <laughs> no, too, it's... Um, yes, it's militarized... Uh, security or animal containment it's not an active war zone so the weapons would be in an armory um, mm-hmm. I, just everything's in the one set I know it's just so you can see people one person putting a vest on someone else grabbing a shock rifle and everything else but <laughs> it's yeah it's dark it's claustrophobic it's uh, it's all in a small room <laughs> which again makes me think little funded poorly funded Maybe they're down in the basement of the, the command building. <laughs> they could be. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, they do have... I mean, light bulbs exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, 2015, it's all LED now. <laughs> Bright, brighter lights, less power. I mean, I mean, you can see the fluorescent lights on the thing there, but they're just not turned on. Hmm. <laughs> We also get our first look at uh, Hamada here. I don't think he's got another name. Um, it's um, you mentioned earlier when we we're back at the uh, Indominus Pen how he was going to have his first role there. Was it when Masroni was there? Or when Owen turned up? It was when Masroni was there, wasn't it? The first I think time. it was. Yeah, because yeah. at the time I think Saurian, which was uh, Masroni's horrible early name, <laughs> was uh, he, he was that was still the script name at that time. Yep. But we'll get more of him in the coming minutes. That's when we cut to Blue and someone pushing down on that Raptor screen button on the sound generator again. Um, her head in a restraint, those big eyes moving around, looking around. Which makes me think that wasn't actually her screaming, because, I mean, how do you even open your mouth with that restraint on? Well, we see there's only two of them here in the enclosure, mm-hmm. so the other two are running around. Uh, Delta yeah. and Charlie are off off running around but I don't know why they'd be shrieking like that if they unless they're attacking something or hunting um, yeah though so, I mean the raptors did do it in um, the first movie too when we first see them show the uh, raptor pen they rehear that loud dolphin scream yeah true the... yeah it's almost the same cut <laughs> yeah it is um, but Barry's here patting her on the head telling her to calm down and off screen we can hear Hoskins ask how fast do they go Barry, look, Barry looks up and says 40 and we cut to his POV as Hoskins standing there in the cage with him like Batman <laughs> Barry didn't even notice that he'd come in the cage there would have been a buzz as the, the cage door opens but it seems like 
Um, Hoskins just appeared. <laughs> I do. I like the line in The Dark Knight Rises where Catwoman disappears on Batman, and Batman's like, So that's what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> Taste your own medicine. <laughs> I probably should mention it, but I think there's a similar thing in Justice League when they're all on the roof. And they all leave and Barry Allen, the Flash, who's the fastest person, is still there. Yeah. <laughs> they all seem to get the jump on him. Barry continues 50 when they're hungry, so a bit <laughs> faster than the original Raptors, because I think they will 40... I think it was 40, 50 or something like that. 50 yeah, or 60. Yeah. If they ever got out in the open. Yeah. And, again, we're told they're astonishing jumpers, and we never see it. Um... Well, we do. I mean, not in the first movie, but I think that was one of the great things about The Lost World is that they saved that little trick for the raptor to jump across the roof in uh, oh, yeah. The Lost World. Yeah, and it does jump up to um, Ian on the second the second level of the killing house as well. Yeah. And we we sort of get them trying to jump up and get Amanda and JP free too, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll let that one pass. <laughs> but uh, Hoskins hoots and arcs. Uh, you ever open them up, see what they can do. Um, I'm, their animal's not a Mustang <laughs> or, or a horse. I'd... Not to Hoskins, though. That's, I mean, that's that's the thing, is that to Hoskins, everything is exploitable. <laughs> and to him, these raptors are basically just another hot rod he can tune up and take off on the highway. Yeah. Hmm. It makes me wonder if they ever planned to put saddles on these or the Golemimus. <laughs> if they ever thought there'd be enough domestication like horses. Unfortunately, I do think I remember the concept art of raptor-powered ATVs <laughs> that came out a couple months ago, and I'm insanely glad that never happened. <laughs> Uh, yes, they'll throw a lot of things at the wall, <laughs> but they do. Um, they do race ostriches and that. Fair enough, they're not predators, but um, yeah. still kick your ass though. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, Barry replies flatly, "No." <laughs> and in the background, we can see uh, another raptor with his head in the restraints, and the mm-hmm. vet seemingly checking it out. Owen said it earlier that you put five amps into these animals and they'll never trust me again. So how do you get them? How do you keep convincing them to put their head in these restraints where they're going to be locked, locked in place? Uh, raptor snacks. <laughs> <laughs> put a dead mouse in the thing and they and just wait for them. Gooby neck. I um, I do kind of have a problem with the way that these raptors are animated, though. Is I mean. Naturally, we've. I'm sure we all remember seeing the uh, the leaked image of Charlie's static uh, cons- or maquette head in one of these being fitted inside one of these restraints. And I remember everybody being excited, like capture gear, cool, <laughs> and everybody thinking, of, of course, that they were animatronics. And of course, they turned out not to be. They were just stand-ins for CGI later. But the CGI here still looks stiff, especially the head, and it just feels like like they over they didn't animate it enough, and mm. it just feels like because I mean you can see the, the snout moving, you can see the animal huffing and breathing, but nothing's moving, 
and I understand the necessity of not not wanting her to have wiggle room, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like any of the flesh is actually living. And I mean, of course, so I mean, naturally, the way that these raptors are designed, they're a bit more pudgier than the original raptors, and they have more flesh on their faces. But it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like there's any kind of give among their flesh or that the flesh is even being pressed in by the bars on the um, restraints here, which would naturally something you'd either want to do or there would be some give if they're if they weren't. Hmm. Yeah, for all the all the muscles in the face. Um, or in the, on the skull of these animals and that like we've seen them before being able to move their lips up and down when they snarl and all mm-hmm. the sort of all the sort of things like that and yeah as you said like they if they move their head around here in a minute when she goes at Hoskins there's no uh, no feedback or no um, no pushback from the steel mm-hmm. actually impacting the the, the the skin or the scales yeah, because that, yeah, as you said, they did actually have standing heads here, so the actors could mm-hmm. interact with the uh, with them. Then they just done the CG layer over the top, which is a shame. Especially when um, I think Frank Marshall or his wife posted a photo online of that uh, that green and yellow raptor um, mm-hmm. head, and um, everyone was excited to see that. Well, thinking raptor animatronics were returning with that as mm-hmm. well. Well, this is scenes that where an animatronic would have been perfect for mm. you have you have very minimal kind of i mean it's not very interactive you got the head poking out of something so you can easily puppet that from behind whatever that crate is yep. you have the characters interacting physically with the actual uh cg with the actual uh prop so i mean this is one of those things where see where if Universal wasn't reluctant to have animatronics, I guarantee you this would have been animatronic. Mm. And then you could imagine how much detail they'd have in it, like those JP3 mm-hmm. Raptors, just all the the little servos and that moving different parts of the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've seen with Owen interacting with a real animatronic baby blue, just a little bit more of that uh, that spark from the characters, mm-hmm. knowing that. And not only that, but we have multiple times in this movie. Where we have the um, the characters interacting with the raptors in a close-up environment, so that all you see is like shoulder or neck up. For example, when um, Owen takes the headset off Blue later on in the movie, yeah, that again would have naturally probably been the same animatronic they would have used here, because all you see in that shot is Blue's neck and head. Mm. Well, like when they put the cameras on as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems they might... Instead, we got Colin standing in the jungle with a raptor head behind him for marketing. <laughs> but, I know. Uh, yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's supposed to be all turning around for Dominion, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. um, after a moment, Blue snorts and moves suddenly, uh, seemingly scaring the pants off Hoskins, but I sort of feel it's a bit of an act. Um, I don't know how scared he is of it, <laughs> uh, especially if what he's going to start going in with his speech next minute about mm-hmm. his wife. But uh, as the minute ends, Barry, Barry laughs and Hoskins says it got me. <laughs> um, I don't think it was trying to pull your leg, it was trying to eat it. <laughs> um, 
but it, it might also be sort of uh, animals can detect evil <laughs> evil characters. Um, well, we do see that again, kind of come up in this next minute here. Mm, yep, yep. Uh, anything else on that before we get over to novel comparisons? Uh, no, I think we're good. All right, Masrani glares at Larry for the uh, the brochure comment, so at least we get a little bit of a response there. Uh, in the novel, it described ACU. Uh, to be in the security barracks, eight men in navy blue jumpsuits with ACU patches put on claw-proof vests and grab electric rifles. Claw-proof vests. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, InGen's making claw-proof, not bulletproof (laughs) (laughs) vests. Is that stronger or less so than Kevlar? (laughs) Would it not still be a Kevlar vest? (laughs) That's what I would think. It wouldn't be a carbon fibre vest, so you'd think it'd still be woven to try and stop claws from clawing. It'd be no different to bullet impacts, you'd think, but... Um... Exactly, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the main thing of a claws is that they scratch an impact, so, I mean, that you want that thing... You want something like Kevlar to deflect away the impact. Yeah, but in saying that, too, it's only going to protect... Okay, okay, maybe the important bits, the torso, the heart, the lungs, the stomach... Mm if it goes down low enough, but it just leaves all your tasty bits, all your arms and legs and fingers uh, <laughs> out, out the open. You just have to remember to keep your fingers out of the cage. <laughs> <sighs> Do remember to keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. <laughs> Jurassic World is now responsible for any snipped fingers. <laughs> oh. That's when you get a, a Quint character in the bar just missing his legs or an arm. <laughs> um, we get uh, Captain Hamada, a former SWAT team leader from the Tokyo Police, uh, twisting the handle his electric spear, blue sparks crackle from the top, so we get probably the most backstory there for Hamada. Um, well, it says here Captain, I think when we get to the, the video feeds later, it's Commander, so he didn't take his title from the Tokyo Police, but again, this... This guy mm-hmm. knows his business. If, if he's not doesn't think he, they're not prepared, or if they haven't been told what the actual threat is or what the asset is, um, he should be speaking up and putting his foot down. At the same time, I mean, we don't know what kind of training the rest of the team get, though, because, I mean, they could have as much training or even less than your average beat American beat cop. And no offense, but... I've gone, I've, I was at a community college where they have cl- uh, classes for the local police, and they're like six-month courses and that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are not heavily trained, they're not heavily trained professionals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where you expect to get most of your experience on the job, but if you don't get a lot of experience on the job, you're kind of left in the wind, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, stuck getting complacent and not really advancing. Exactly, yeah. Well, not only that, but I mean, it, it becomes a thing where if you're just rounding up pachycephalosauruses every other week, <laughs> it becomes kind of more, like you said, complacent, and you're just like, all right, another asset out of containment. And that's, again, what we've always been saying. Herbivores aren't this cows out in the paddock there there's danger there as well yeah anyway but i mean what i'm saying is if they if they be if they have enough experience with these specific kind of continuous behavior 
they become, as you say, complacent and they know how to um, diffuse it right away and just trank the animal and problem over. They don't have a lot of experience with something that actually wants to eat them. Mm. Well, that might explain their tactics in the next couple of minutes where they're sitting there and just prodding it, trying to move it in one direction, not the other. Exactly. I mean, with a herbivore, it may or may not want you dead, but it's but it, you know for sure it's not actively hunting you as much no. as you are hunting it. No, and as soon as you zap it, it's going to start moving in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we cut outside the Velociraptor stables, which I thought was funny. They call them the stables in the novel. Um, Barry's got him two handlers as they put leather claw guards uh, over Delta's talons, which is a shame because in the in the film we can see them hanging the leather straps and mm-hmm. hanging on the the um, conics boxes or whatever, but beside the cradles. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's also because we only saw the um, head part that they decided not to use them, even, mm. you know? Which makes me wonder, or makes me think that they probably just have the arms hanging down by their sides while their heads shoved in this um, <laughs> containment. Torture device. <laughs> <laughs> With Jigsaw, I want to play a game. <laughs> uh, Barry responds to Hoskins, 50 miles an hour, 60 if they're hungry, so a little bit faster in the novel there. Um, yeah. But that does coincide more with the original Raptors, where Muldoon responds their uh, cheetah speed, 50, 60 miles per hour, if they get a good out in the open, you know? Mm. Yep. Plus, again, if they had more practice practice running, I'm sure they'd get faster as well, mm-hmm. which makes you wonder. It must be only a guesstimate on how fast they can run, because at this stage we don't think we've had any out out running around, getting uh, clocked by the by this radar gun. Mm. But that is minute 42, uh, no, 41. Dave, anything else before we get heavy for today? I think we're good. All right, lovely. 